The following production is brought to you by the Talkin' Buds Leaf Show. Talkin' Buds Leaf Show, baby. We are back. I'm Rob. He's Ryan. How's it going? Here we go again. Here we go again. Did we overreact? Did were we on point? What? Where are we right now? Well, I think that's where we're going to start tonight. I mean, you look at the last four games, all against like tough opponents. They take seven of eight points. Two of those games were really nice wins over the Boston Bruins in what was, in my opinion, the best outing of the season on Hockey Night in Canada, followed by a nice sort of resilient win in Carolina with travel. I could make the the argument that that win was better than the Boston one because it's the second game of back-to-back, and that's just every time they go to Carolina, they just suck, period. So the fact that they went down early and then found a way to just kind of stay in the game and, and, and win, that to me, that was the most impressive win of the year. Don't forget Eric Schalgren in the net as yeah, well exactly. for that game. So that that you know what to nonetheless two absolutely massive W's. So big old W's you, on the weekend. You asked the question right off the bat, so let's get into it. Let's ask it. Let's discuss it. Did we and certain other members of Leafs Nation overreact to the start of the season? We asked that question to ourselves when we were together, and and um, it, I I went back and forth on it. It was it was at first I was like I, I did overreact. I did. It was early. They didn't play great, but you know it, it is early. Like I get it. I get it now. I I understand. It's always the easy thing to say that it's early. I feel like a lot of sports fans almost use that as like a crutch as a way to speak about their team earlier in the season when people are overreacting. But I mean, they, and then, and then you look at the past couple of games and they've just, they've leveled out. So in a way I felt like I was overreacting, but at the same time, I don't think I was overreacting to the, to the point that I thought they were just like, weren't a playoff team or they, or they weren't competitive. I think me and you were overreacting in terms of, Watching this team come out and just not show up and just give that effort that we're that we're used to seeing that's brutal. I think that's what we were overreacting to. I don't think we ever thought this team was a bad team or not a playoff team or or not a competitive team. It was just coming off fresh off another game seven loss, starting the season in the way they started it in terms of the effort they put in some of those early games. That kind of led to a to a harsh reaction on my part, for sure. Last week, I talked about the two sides of the fan base. And the there's definitely, like, two opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to this team. There's the I hate everybody, trade everybody, I hate Kyle Dubas, I hate everything about him crowd. And then there's the relax, they're fantastic, Kyle Dubas is a genius, you're overreacting, you're stupid crowd. And the answer, as I continue to say, is somewhere in the middle. And I think when they started the season the way they did, when you compound that with the playoff disappointments and how we all feel 
in April of every year or May, whenever it is, when they lose in the first round in a game seven, I think there's a carryover effect. And I think your point about the effort is, is well made. One narrative that I want to put to bed is how awful the Toronto fans and Toronto media and they are and how harsh they can be. I think that that is like, listen, there's the media here. It, it is tough to deal with because it's so there's so much of them. And you have two like idiots like you and me who I guess in a certain way you can say we're a part of the media yeah. because we cover this team and we come on and we give strong opinions and like give like we'll say negative things about guys who we don't feel have played that well. But you know what? There was a moment during the Boston game where the crowd in that building stood on their feet and cheered multiple times because of how hard this team was working. Had they not, let's just say Boston came back and won that game on Saturday. I don't think anyone in that building would have left angry. I think everyone would have been like, these guys left it all out there. And that's all that this market and this fan base asks. And so I think that's why at the beginning of the season, the reaction is so volatile and it's so over the top and it's so, I guess, dramatic because it's just all we're asking for is for you to leave it all out there. And when we feel like we don't see that, we get upset. Yeah, 100%. I couldn't have said it better myself. And I think it also helped that they were playing the Boston Bruins. I mean, just any time that team comes in this barn and, and you give them a game and you end up winning the game, that's that's kind of what brings a fan base together in a way. There's a lot of teams that I watch the Leafs play that I'm just like, even Vegas, just... Not not a huge, not really a hundred percent invested in this. But when you watch them play the Bruins and they go out and play like that, that's what kind of brings you back. And that's why all us idiots who cheer for this team every year get sucked back in with an effort like that. Exactly. That's yeah. the point. Yeah, exactly. Couldn't and have said as, it better. And as I said, to anyone who's watching and going, relax, relax, relax. You and I get that all the time. And it's like, no, we're just what 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 are we gonna talk about if we're on here once a week, twice a week, and we're relaxed? Like, what, and that's the fun. Uh, what, and, and, like, that, what? and that's what I understand. Like, that's like, like you shut want, up. Uh, the, like the people who do that. Like, do you want that? Like, do you want two guys who just come on here and it's all sunshine we and rainbows? We wouldn't have a show. We yes. wouldn't have a show. Yes. If, if we did that, and you and I, we come on here, and if if they play well, we say they play well. Like, listen, man, seven of eight points in this run right now is pretty good. And they're starting to Damn come good. Yeah. Especially when both of your goalies are injured. Yeah. And you're, they're starting to come on. Matthews is looking more like Austin Matthews. Mitch Marner in the Vegas game looked like return to form for Mitch Marner. You hope he makes a couple of plays like, like the goal that he scored and then setting up Timothy Lilligren. Like that's the kind of stuff that hopefully you hope gets him going. There's positives happening here. There's definitely positives. So it's like, we're not going to, we're just going to kind of go with the flow here. Yeah. But there's a couple of things I want to hone in on with you. And the first one is uh, Timothy Lilligren. Okay. Two goals against the Vegas Golden Knights. He's a really interesting story. Because here's a guy who was drafted in the first round. Who spent a lot of time developing in the American Hockey League. And... 
Anyone who knows anything about like drafting or developing and scouting, a lot of people will tell you that like guys need a long time to marinate in the AHL, especially defensemen. How many young defensemen have you seen? Rasmus Sandin in the Vegas game as well, just like brutal, like giveaway. Like he's still Rasmus Sandin, not to get off on a tangent because we're talking about Timothy Lilligren, but Rasmus Sandin is a guy whose ceiling is so high, but you see him still developing, right? Whereas like Lilligren, he's really turned into a nice fourth or fifth defenseman on your hockey team. I, I've very, because you were on here last week or two weeks ago, or whenever it was talking about like how brutal this defensive core looks. Oh, just, uh, they just don't have a lot of talent. No, no, but like having, that, like, having him in there and he's not coming in, he's not a guy that's going to come in and take your defense to like a whole new level. Yeah. But he is a guy who at this point in his career is an NHL defenseman. And if you've got him in there, it's slotted in your number four spot, number five spot. That's a pretty good place for him. Well, there's a reason why Victor Hedman is so rare, why these top defensemen in the league are so rare that you can, even Victor Hedman wasn't a stud when he first started, but like getting a guy who can step in and be a top defenseman right off the bat is so rare. And there's a reason why the teams that have those defensemen are successful every single year. But I think Timothy Lilligren or Liljegren it's an interesting story. It's it's when you are I like drafted. That. I like that proper pronunciation. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, that. Been, Gord been, Miller would be proud. Yeah, I've been taking tips from some people. But when you're a first round pick for this organization, especially all the years that they sucked, like Luke Shen's the first guy that pops in my brain. You, you, you're a high pick and you come in and the weight of the world is on your shoulders and it's very hard to succeed in that situation if you're not an absolute stud. Like me personally, if I was in that situation, I probably wouldn't succeed right off the bat as well. But it's it's almost a funny situation because he 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 got drafted and it was kind of like I'm pretty sure he he dropped in the draft because he had an injury pre-draft and everyone said that he was a very talented offensive sorry, defenseman. You've got a great memory. Like I I don't remember that at all. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was the case and and it was almost like the expectation kind of wore off on him and he was kind of not I don't want to say, I don't know the right word. I don't want to say a joke, but like, it was almost just like, oh, Timothy Lilligren, kind of another wasted first round pick. And then the expectations kind of wore off on him. So by the time he showed up and to play for this team, anything positive you got out of him was good. It, yeah. It's kind of magnified. The perception, the perception had shifted. Yeah. Like it's just that a lot of like pro sports expectation is everything in pro sports. And he kind of shifted himself into, into a situation where since he was a first-round pick, anything that he could bring after all these years of marinating in the AHL was going to be seen in a positive light. So I think that's why. And I also kind of like how he's just a younger guy. He's not slow. Is he super physical? No. Maybe the offense will show up as it as it as he was touted when he was when he was drafted. But you got, you got two goals against the Vegas yeah, Golden Knights. There you go. That's 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 a good start. But it's um I don't know. It's just he he's kind of just put, put himself in a situation where anything he does positive from now on is is kind of gravy for them. It's it's weird. Expectation in this city especially is everything. It's everything, especially for first round picks. He looks he's he was a really welcome addition given given the current state of their defense course. Yeah. So I I like I said I tip my hat to him. I watched him first game back. He's out there against the Boston Bruins. 
on Hockey Night in Canada, and he played pretty well yeah. for a guy who's been sidelined with an injury. Well, I think the Colorado Avalanche has just, they've just debunked, like, the like the big, tough, physical defenseman style of play. Like, you just need good, athletic, puck-moving guys who can skate mm, and yeah. play offense and defense. That's kind of where, like, Kale McCart is the perfect example of that. Like, even Roman Yossi, like I get a ton of points every single year. It's just it's not about the the Chris Prongers anymore. It's about guys who can play on both ends of the ice and skate. Like that's what your defensemen need to be like now. So Ilya Samsonov gets hurt. It looked like it was on the penalty shot uh, from Brad Marchand. I- <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It, I think everybody saw this coming yeah. at some point. Like they picked up two goalies who are injury prone. Who well, the good struggled. news is, is it seems like uh, Samsonov is is going to be like week to week. Yeah, but he's it's still injured. Like a, yeah. he's still injured. And goalies, at like, are you ever full? Once you get hit injured as a goaltender, do you ever during the season do you ever fully make it back to a hundred percent? I don't think so. When when is the last time this team had a goalie who wasn't? who played a full season. Like Freddie Anderson got injured once a well, year, every year. To, this speaks to like the, the conversation of where goaltending is going in the league. It's like, the, like there are how many elite goaltenders would you say are in the NHL right now? Three, I'd say four, like five max, five max. So the rest of the league kind of looks around and says, if you can play like a structured enough game, you don't need an elite guy back there. No, again, the Colorado Avalanche also debunked that theory as well. The Leafs, when they play well, can win games with Eric Schalgren. They did last year. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They they came back to beat the Hurricanes and took the Golden Knights to overtime. I thought he played well well enough against Vegas to to do that. Yes. So it's just, I was kind of more coming at it from the standpoint of, it's just so leafy. Like, you go and get these two guys. It's lame, man. It's not cool. Just well, what two do you think guys it is? on the shelf already. What do you think it is? He got deked so bad by Brad Marchand that he got injured. He like, like popped his knee. Kind of embarrassing. You know, he kind of, yeah, it was, it wasn't pretty. It was well, not he, pretty. I, I don't know if, if it was so much as Marchand, like, like deking him out yeah, as it was. He bit so yeah, hard. Yeah. I mean, he he's he's ahead of Matt Murray in my book. So at least this guy played a couple of games and he's got a, like a nine twenty save and he's been pretty damn good so far. Matt Murray's he's that guy's got to answer the bell. Well, that guy also, played one meet less than average hockey game this year and he was on the shelf. Well, it's also so funny to me how last week Sheldon Keefe is like, oh Murray's progressing, but he's he's still a few weeks away. And then Samsonov gets hurt, and it's like, wouldn't you know it? Matt Murray's out skating, out doing the morning. It's <laughs> yeah, just yeah, yeah. you can't believe anything. And I get it's a competitive advantage to not sharing your injury status. Well, I I understand that, but it's just like I was kind of like, okay, well, well, what a miracle! Matt Murray's back out skating around after that. Yeah, it's really, really lame how they're both injured already. It's so, it's, I, I get your point. Like, as a Leaf fan, like, I'm so tired of this. Like, I'm so tired of, like, oh. Yeah, Jack Campbell was hurt last year. Peter Morazic was hurt last year. Freddie Anderson, Anderson always yeah. had a stand on the IR yeah. every single year. It's, at some point, your goaltending depth has to show through. Like, you remember Michael Hutchinson playing all those games and, 
Johnny N. Roth stepping in and Johnny N. Roth. Yeah, like you remember that. It, it happens, but it's just it's 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 too early in the season to have two goalies on the shelf already. They're signing some guy that we, no one's ever heard of. Keith Petrozelli. What are you talking about? It's a to be the backup. It's not even them two. It's the whole organization's injured. It's like, what, what's going on here? Why is every goalie injured in yeah, our organization? Wool, Joseph Wool's injured where we have Where we have to sign some random dude to sit on the bench. Hey, don't Good for him, though. Don't you talk that way about Keith Petrozelli. Yeah, good for him. I'm happy right. for him. I hope he sees some action at some point, but... Not not fun. You know what's been a really um interesting sort of thing for me as as we watch, particularly as you watch Mitch Marner play as well as he did against the Vegas Golden Knights. It's you know, I think sometimes we look at these these guys and we think, you know, you've you're a professional athlete. Okay. You get paid millions of dollars. And the real greats. Like a like a Sidney Crosby. I always come back to Sid when I have yeah, his he's the goat. Rent. He's yeah. the best. Three cups. Yeah. Not at all. The real greats seem to always be able to power through. But you you learn when you watch a Mitch Marner, even a Matthews, until he started going, uh, getting going recently. They're the exception, not the rule. I'm talking about like Crosby, like all the all time greats. Just because you like you can see that Mitch Marner is having confidence issues. And you can see and, and I have a hard time. I'm like, what are you talking about? You're Mitch Marner. You're a professional. Like you're you're one of the when you're on, you're one of the most dynamic hockey players in the league. Yeah. Like, how can you have a confidence issue? Like, just so what? You had a bad game, put it behind you, go out there. And I think it's just this kind of comes back to the point I'm making earlier about how like I don't think the media and fans are that bad, but I do think when the when the temperature rises these guys feel it and all it takes is is a game like like I watch them play against Vegas and I'm like this is this is a turning point game for Mitch Marner this like he's he's really the last even the last few games is that they're five two and three in their last 10 even the last few games like I think Nylander and Tavares have been playing with a chip on their shoulder they both of those guys look fantastic I think Matthews is getting going again and looking like his old Matthew self, but I still was waiting for Marner to kind of take that next step. And I thought against Vegas, he did that. And I hope that he's able to carry that over and carry that through because he, like, come on, man. Like, you're you're Mitch Marner. Well, it's obvious when he has confidence issues because every fantastic play he makes on the ice requires confidence. Yes, so I said on the last podcast or the podcast before that, that I just don't see him making any plays and the plays that he makes a normal hockey player cannot make that play. It's made from confidence and inability. So when he's not making any of those plays, there's clearly something going on because since day one of him stepping onto this team, what he's been the best at is just making these ridiculous plays when he doesn't have a lot of space, when he has speed these quick decisions that not a lot of dudes can make. And then when he's not making those plays, it's like, okay, well then Mitch Marner is, is basically useless if he's not doing that. Like, it's just, he looks like a completely different hockey player. That's what he's best at. And I think that's what makes it so obvious. And the whole, the whole heath and the whole benching thing. That was, that was kind of weird too, but he like, he's making plays cause he's confident. So that's why it's so obvious when he, when he's not confident because it's, it's, he's not doing anything. 
Mitch Marner not doing anything is really awful to watch. It's boring. It's a lot of, yeah, it's a lot of. He's a yeah. very exciting hockey player. It's a lot of skating around in circles. Yeah, or or giving then, the puck away or, he, being we, or being weak along the, the boards. Like it's, and when he is playing well, he always has the puck or he's always around it. Yeah, and he makes yeah. these just, he's the, he's in the top five of dudes who can just make a, Split decision in a tough area, like just just a ridiculous pass, and sometimes it kind of bites him in his ass because sometimes he'll try to make a pass when it, he should shoot the puck. But well, his goal, his goal tonight, like or I um, against Vegas, I'm kind of like, see what happens when you when you decide to rifle it. Yeah, like like when yeah, you when, when you, you, when you when bear you down, the puck. yeah, when you bear down and decide to rifle it, mm. it's like. That was a weird play, too, because I could see him kind of making that weird, awkward, like, tiny one-timer to Tavares, but he just didn't. He actually shot the puck. Yeah, he's a little, like... Yeah, like, I actually thought he was going to throw a little tiny one-timer over yeah. to Johnny, and that was just right in the shin pads, guaranteed. I know the... I want to I want to come back to what we started the episode with, because... I know that, yes, there was there was a lot of, like, High high blood pressure, a lot of anger a few weeks ago. But thus far, off the, I think it was the first episode we did after the season officially started. And you said, this is the same team I watched last year. And that still rings true in the sense that, like, against teams that they are on paper, that they're better better than on paper, they haven't really played that well. But then you get them in a game where they were clearly up for the game on Saturday against Boston. Yeah, and then I, I've been pretty on point this year because I called that too. I said they're going to go and play that team well because that's just how weird this hockey team is. So do you think that there's something to that? Like yes. I, I, I know I know if you look at like the, the results, like there's, there's a pattern. But do you think these guys as a team have a difficult time getting up to play the Arizona Coyotes? Yes. And, and there's another team in this city that does the exact same thing. And they're the Toronto Blue Jays. They do the same thing. It's just something about going to play a team that everybody says you should beat. That just screws with your head. Do you think they believe? Like, do you think they come to the rink? Yeah, I honestly, it, I don't think they come to the rink. Like, we're going to dog like walk this team. in like McGregor and being like, we're going to absolutely destroy this hockey team. But there is something to people talking, not just the media, but the, the boys talk in the dressing room. They look at the schedule. I'm pretty sure yeah, they look at a couple upcoming games against teams that aren't going to make the playoffs. And in your head, you're like, this is an L for us. This is, and you're, you're looking ahead to that Boston game or that Tampa game. And you're going to play the coyotes and you're just, we should beat this hockey team. And then you just don't show up and you realize that the NHL, even though there's better teams, there's worse teams, there is parity in the league and any team can beat any team at any night. And if you don't show up against even the worst teams in this league, you're going to be, you're going to lose. When you put it that way and phrase it that way, it actually does make sense to me. I'm kind of like, okay, like I, you know what? Like yeah, if, if, if I was in their position, I, I might, I might think and behave the same dude, way. Fans think the same way too. And that, that's what drives the whole thing. Almost. I, I, I don't think, these guys are driving to the rink listening to 590. Maybe some of them are, but it's but there is something to just the general buzz around them playing a, a, a an awful like the Sens or just like a, a crappy team in this league that they should get a dub just by showing up. And I think that kind of just rat it's not front and center, but it gets in there somewhere. 
It has to. The only thing that I, I think that they need to be cognizant of is you're costing yourself points, which is going to hurt your seeding at the end of the season, and you're going to end up in a first-round matchup against some team. That's inevitable. It's inevitable with this team. They're not getting a favorable matchup. It's not happening. And even if they do, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Case in point, Montreal Canadian. It does not matter. Whatever team they play in the first round, it is going seven games. Well, I promise you. And you could look at Buffalo, yeah. Detroit, Boston, Tampa Bay, Florida, any of the other Metro teams that you may see in a wild card. Even though I don't think they're going to win the division, it's it's it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I mean, and you could one could make the argument that. It suits them better to have a matchup against a tougher team. They've proved it against everything. They should have beat Columbus. They were better than them. They should have beat Montreal. They were better than them. Tampa had the edge. They It was nice. Nice little effort. Couldn't do it. Boston kind of, like, it's just, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, I'm just tired of seeing those efforts against awful teams in the regular season. But I think at the end of the day, that's what this team is. And it leads right into the first round. It doesn't matter who they're playing. They're going to play to that team's level in a sense. And it just, I don't know. Again, goes back to them being the same team. Like what's, what, what's really different. It's nice seeing them go on a run, but they're still the same hockey team. So as we said earlier, seven of eight points, four games, what is your what is the one thing in these through these four games that you feel the best about? Like you're that like you're feeling good about or you're feeling better about after watching them take seven of eight. That the, you you might have stumped me on this one. I, I think overall the, the biggest positive this season has been the play in the net, no matter who's in there. Like Sam Sonoff and Eric Shalgren, even though Shalgren is looks very un NHL goalie like sometimes, but I I just think that this far into the season we haven't had a podcast centered around goaltending. There's two goalies. Oh my god, dude! dude there's, Every episode dude, last year was centered around goaltending. There's two, their two top goalies are hurt right now. Eric Shalgren's played two games in a row, and. Keith Petrozelli sitting on the bench. They, they lose to Vegas in overtime, and the main story isn't Eric Shalgren. Like that, that's a bit anytime you can avoid the goaltending conversation in the city. Oh, oh, it's fantastic. I will our whole, take our whole season it last every year. time. Our whole man. season last year. They could have won, they could have beat Vegas with Shalgren in the net. They had a chance to win that game. Yep. Instead, they just Something happened on a power play. Well, they gave up a shorthanded the goal game, and the Vegas three on three game, is a coin flip. The Vegas game was was old school Leaf run and gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. riverboat hockey, odd man rushes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. riverboat hockey. Four hands to count how many odd man rushes. The, it's the, super the entertaining to watch. You're not going to win a Stanley Cup playing that way, no. but it's a it's super entertaining no. to watch. It's but that that's what I feel best about. It's I I, I love the performance of some of the players. John Tavares especially, but I don't know, man. The fact that we're, we're, we haven't had a, a conversation about goaltending yet, that that's a positive to For me. For me, it's got to be number 88, man. Like, he, I am, I can't remember the last time I was so blown away by the change in, in a hockey player. 
anyone who's listening to our show knows about the the history and drama of William Nylander as a Toronto Maple Leaf. My co-host here was at one point the chief of, I want to get William Nylander out of this city. Since day one of this podcast. Yep. Was it five years ago? Four years ago? Four years ago. And I was always kind of like, he is what he is. Everybody's expectations for him are too high. He's he's a he's a Phil Kessel. Like that was always how I kind of looked at him. But man, like you said it, he just looks he looks three feet taller. Yeah, bigger, faster, faster, stronger. Every single time he's on the ice. Yeah. He's doing something. Yeah, he's he's extreme. There's no sleepy Nylander this season. The best point you have made s- since we started this current season of this podcast, the best point you have made. I've been hearing a lot of talk in the last uh, few weeks about John Tavares, or the last week in particular about John Tavares and how well he's playing and how good he looks. And he totally deserves it. Johnny's been really good. My favorite point you made is when we brought this up, whether it was last week or two weeks ago, where I said, oh, man, Johnny, like, this is sort of a comeback year for Johnny. And you said, I think, yes, he's playing well, but I think he's also been a beneficiary of how, like, William Nylander's complete... How would you even describe it? I just think he, he dominates the puck during a shift. Like, he's just all over the puck. He's, and then... John doesn't have to worry about streaking through the neutral uh, the neutral zone because everybody, every analytical person has been saying this guy's zone entries are goat. And, and I just kind of maybe overlooked it because he would be sleepy Nylander. But this year, this guy is the goat of zone entries. He has the puck and he's getting in the zone. And he's not doing that curl at the blue line anymore either every time he gets in there. And it's just, it makes everybody look better. And he's been just, He's been their best player, shift to shift, effort, every single game, 88. I've been, I've ripped this guy, ripped him, just tore him to shreds. I wanted him gone. <laughs> I thought he was useless. Yeah. Called him a piece of garb. Yeah, yeah, you were, you were. I hated that. How many bums of the week did this we guy? We could go back. We could go you, back. You could go back to the, the first episode of this podcast, even though I, I urge you not to listen to that because mm-hmm. it's not. It's not good. It's not good. I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of like nice in a way, but yeah. it's, it's, it's not a good, good. It's a good memory, but yeah, not well, great. Our, our, our production and audio has come a long yeah. way since then, but just date back to that episode. <laughs> I, I've been ripping this guy for years, and but dude, he looks like he was just rebuilt in a factory mm. in the off season. Again, I talked. I went on my rant earlier in the episode about confidence. Guys, confidence is is yeah through the roof. So I want to end on this note, just because you and I, you know what, we we're humble and um, we will we will come on here and say when we're wrong. We did that. We've done that already a few times this year on this podcast. But we will also come on here and we'll kind of pat our chests uh, when we're right about something. And you said a few minutes ago that. You're really enjoying that we're only a few weeks into this season and we haven't talked about goaltending. Yeah. Yes. I think if a certain someone was still in the net for the Toronto Maple Leafs, we would be talking about goaltending every single week. Absolutely. And we spent the off season listening to a bunch of Edmonton Oilers fans tell us that they just picked up 
Marty Brodeur in his prime to take over <laughs> yeah. goaltending. And we all Cujo said as Lee fans, Cujo in 01. Yeah. And we all said as Lee fans, eh, I don't know about that. It kind of seems like you overpaid for a mediocre goalie. And damn right we're only a month or so into the season. And Jack Campbell getting absolutely lambasted in Edmonton right now. Which is funny because they say all that matters is a dub. And he's 5-2 and two on the season. But the guy's sporting a 874 and almost four and a half goals against. Well, I mean, they've got... they've. The thing talk about Edmonton, about, talk about you. You want to talk about a goalie graveyard, yeah, Edmonton? Head over to Alberta, uh, yeah. Edmonton, go Alberta. right to Edmonton. Yeah, I was gonna say, don't say that about Calgary. That is a goalie graveyard, yeah. man. Yeah. It was stupid, like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's all but like I have all the respect in the word for in the world for Kenny Holland. Like guy built an absolute dynasty and or kept a dynasty going in Detroit, but what what are you doing? I like what, I think listen, what I was think that I think well as we experienced oh. as as we experienced as Leaf fans in the off season, I think the goalie market was not exactly um uh robust. Therefore Edmonton cuz uh, what you just said is a goalie graveyard Saw a guy like Jack Campbell and jumped at the opportunity to sign him. It's just locking yourself in for five years of a guy who's never played a full season in this league. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. It's great. What are you doing? I don't know. It is. I am enjoying it. I obviously I, I don't I don't hate Jack Campbell as a person or a player. Like I'm sure he's a very nice guy in real life. It's just seeing the Edmonton Oilers get so excited over Leafs sloppy seconds and yeah. him just being. Well, I'll tell you what, man, I'll tell you what hilarious. I tell you what he keeps going. If he, he hurry back from your injury, Ilya Samsonov, cause you got a nice fat contract that Kenny Holland's going to shoot your oh, yeah. way in the, in the off yeah, he'll season. be, he'll be gone. Yeah. He'll be gone. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. Story of this franchise. You have a decent player making not a lot of money. Contract expires. See you later. Goodbye. But, I mean, he got a nice goal. Uh, I saw it the other day, um, Eli Mikheyev, but he's another guy that I think, you know, you were telling me during uh, when we were hanging out earlier that you were hearing some Vancouver media say, in hindsight, that wasn't the best. Yeah, the the the... The AAV is kind of not looking too saucy right now. And this after is what I mean start. when I when I talk about people who want to rush to fire Kyle Dubas. Like, have do I love every decision Kyle Dubas has ever made? Absolutely not. Do I think Kyle Dubas would I like the Leafs as our overall team to have a little bit more edge to them? Yes, I would. However, Kyle Dubas has made a lot of smart long-term decisions for this franchise. They're not saddled with any brutal contracts. Like I know in the past we've kind of looked at uh, Tavares cap hit and said, that's not necessarily ideal, but that is a hindsight 2020 take as you and I always go out of our way to point out. And I just think like, you see like Kenny Holland sending, handing out a five-year deal to Jack Campbell. And it's just like, who, 
Like he, the Leafs don't have the ability to sign these guys to these deals which, because of all the guys eating the cap space. Like which which kind of which on the one hand it's like okay you wish that they had kind of a, a a higher paid second liner that you could put on the left side, but they also don't have any like if you look down the list at their contracts, there isn't one contract that like that that you go. Like not not or one that isn't like maybe Matt Murray. When I look at the Elia McKayev signing, it to me like Jimmy Rutherford is a beauty, and he he has three cups, and he's done a lot in this league. But just sometimes I feel like the GMs in this league they're impatient with maybe the most important thing in hockey, which is cap space, and it's just why did you have to go sign? A third liner at best second liner to that contract instead of kind of just biting the bullet and seeing what you had in your organization and and keeping that cap space for potentially re-signing a guy or or get or somehow getting a guy that is going to be more valuable to you than Ilya Mikheyev. Like why why did you go out and and spend that right away on a guy who who's really only been a third liner in the league? It's just I, I feel like cap space is just it's it's almost more important than having a good player at this point. Like it's if 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 you go down the list at their contracts, like there isn't one that jumps jumps out at you. Like no, the, they're just a little tied up on the on the blue line. Like yeah. they have Riley at, at seven and a half. Seven and a half. They have Brody at five, five and a half. They have Muzzin, even though he's an LTIR. They have him around five. They got Kerfoot at three something. It's 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 just like they have a couple players on the back end who are making a little bit of something. Yeah. Like it's, and then all the big boys. It's, but none of them that, like, I don't know if the Riley extension is going to age well. Like, how good of a player is Morgan Riley going to be in 2027 at seven and a half million? But, like, I don't, there's none of these that, that you're like, oh my God, how are they ever going to get out from under that? Yeah. Like even Tavares only has two more years left on his deal after this. Yeah. Right? So it's like, so let's just, that's crazy. Yeah. Think Man, about that. Time flies. All right. We're going to get out of here. Yeah, we're going to overstate our welcome. We did overstate this, our welcome. Jimmy Rutherford conversation. Well, it's an interesting conversation. The Jack Campbell thing is really, and again, no disrespect to Jack Campbell. He's a perfectly lovely dude, but it's just. Just seeing Oilers fans just take it is the best. Yeah. I don't care if it's rational or not. I just like seeing Oilers fans cry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's nothing it's, better. It's goat. There's it's nothing the best. Better. All right, we're going to be back a little later on uh, this week, so make sure you like and subscribe to our channel. Like and su- like this video, subscribe to our channel. Spread the word. Tell your friends. We really, really appreciate it. Also, do the same thing if you're listening to the audio version. Leave a little five-star review, little comment. Every little bit helps. What's up to all of our new subscribers? Keep the comments coming, too. We love, honestly... That's my favorite part every week is reading the comments. We get so many like really nice comments. Thank you for those. We also get a bunch of people who love to rip us and call us idiots. We also love every every comment. There's no such publicity. There's no such thing as bad publicity, Ryan. Um, so if you want to. Okay. Not no. in the comments section. No, yeah, not in the comments section. Yeah. That's right. But So if you want to sign on to our video and rip us and call us morons, go right ahead. We love every second of it. We'll see you guys next time.
Hey listeners, I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. And that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer in such a dirtbag. Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster. And not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100%. Because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. Come on, let's go to the Blue Hotel. I want to live at the Blue Hotel. The podcast that goes everywhere the imagination dares. It's for the open-minded, the pleasure seeker. It's Jeff Woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality, theme-based with special guests, the Blue Hotel Hotline, and every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story. Get a room and listen in at the Blue Hotel. Begins Friday, September 23rd.